Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ben. Hi, my name is Ben, compulsive eater, bulimic. Wow, so let's see, uh, just to qualify, I came in this room over 25 years ago, weighing 400 pounds, and um, my life and my brain was insane, just insane, Uh, what it was like. I didn't know how to deal with my emotions, but I know how to order food very well. So uh, being a native of L.A., you know all the places to go for the great food and the little dive joints. And um, it always used to be the same thing for me. If I didn't know how to handle this, I would eat over that. If I was sad over this, I would eat over that. If I was ecstatic and happy and everything was going my way, I would eat over that. Food was always my answer to everything. And what I used to do when I was deep, deep in my disease, I would not just go to one place, but I would go to several places. I would order food in, eat it, toss it away. Then I'd go out and eat some more, grab some food from um, drive throughs and my whole passenger seat would be just bags of different fast food places. I would gather those, go back to my house, and even though I had you know, like a three-bedroom house, and um, I had a dining room table, I always sat on the floor where I would have uh, the, the table right there. I never used a dining room table, and I'd have the TV, and that was my whole life, was the living room table, the floor, and the TV, and I would just eat. And sometimes um, I would eat stuff and not even remember I ate it. I would wake up with wrappers and stuff by on my bed sheets. I would have mustard and ketchup stains all over my face and not even remember doing it. Um, I guess they call those food comas or whatever. But how I got in this program, I was um, in a relationship with a woman, and she was my Eskimo. And she saw the food was just getting worse and worse, and the weight was coming on faster and faster and faster. And um, she is in AA, and she told me about OA. And I'm like, what's OA? And she goes, well, it's like AA, but a different thing. And um, I was sharing with some people here that in my early years, I came to this meeting, but I came to the wrong meeting. And it was the AA meeting. And they had all this food there. And I'm like, well, I can do OA. This is, this is very edible. Um, and, I'm, and I'm like, is this OA? No, 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 this is AA. You want to come back here later on around 530. I'm like, oh, okay. So she brought me into the rooms. Even though the relationship between and I, her and I didn't work out, she was my Eskimo. Um, for some reason, God, my higher power, brought me into her life and vice versa to bring me into these rooms. And um, I didn't get it right away. You know, just the God thing was really scary. And the the prayers and 
and the holding hands to me it was very chanty. And I'm like, when are you guys going to break out the robes and just light the candles? And this is called light a candle. And um, but I got a sponsor right away. And you you can't you can't do this without a sponsor. Bottom line, if, if you do without a sponsor, I'm what if I heard another person say in another meeting, you're just a tourist. And I don't want to be a tourist. I don't want to write postcards to myself saying, you know, wish you were here, you know. Um, so I got a sponsor, great sponsor, incredible sponsor. And we did questions every day, a lot of writing, called in my food every day. And the food was lifted. It, actually, it, I was surprised how fast it happened. And... Um, Finding God, my higher power, was the most difficult part because I was so anti-God as a child and as a young adult and as an adult because my parents would cram religion down my throat so hard that it turned me off. And so I'm like, oh, I can't do this God thing. And they're like, well, you don't have to do a God thing. That's all right. You know, you can make your meetings or your, you know, you know the group your higher power until something happens to you. And so I kept coming to meetings, kept calling in my food, kept doing the writing. And one day, I remember it was um, at Serenity Sunday, I, I got there a little early, and um, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I felt a contentment, a joy, a happiness inside me like I never felt before. And I realized, is this what a higher power feels like inside you? And for some reason, I didn't feel alone anymore. Um, even though I was alone, I didn't feel alone. And I'm like, this is a cool feeling. This is a great feeling. And I haven't lost that feeling since. You know, it's been over 25 years, and I carry my higher power inside me, in my soul with, you know, God. And um, what happened? Um, got married and um, had children and stopped coming to program. And um, the weight came back on. No coincidence. You stop working the program, you'll get a side effect there. And what happened to me, um, I was laying in bed with our newborn, four months old, a little girl, her name's Ashley. And every time she and I sleep um, together, we always press our foreheads together. And that's the only way to get her to sleep. And, you know, she'll cry. I'll put my forehead against her. She'll stop. You know, we didn't do the bottle thing. And uh, to quiet them up. You know, only parents get that. They're crying. Shut them up. There you go. And, um, and we're sleeping. Everything is beautiful and great. And I woke up, and all of a sudden... My chest was hurting me. Uh, my throat got tight. I was there was this pain in my jaw, and I thought I was having a heart attack. And I remember walking slowly, staggering into the living room because whatever was happening, I didn't want to happen next to my little girl. And I called my wife, and um, I said, "There's something wrong." And they called the ambulance. And they rushed me to a hospital, and they put me through that machine, you know, that big hole 
machine, white thing, and um, the test came back, wasn't a heart attack, my aorta ripped. So you guys know what it is, <laughs> okay? Just by uh, hearing that, and, and you know, um, that's what John Ritter died of. His aorta ripped, but he was misdiagnosed. If you're misdiagnosed, you literally have seconds to correct that, or you're dead. Luckily, the doctor who diagnosed me diagnosed me correctly. So it ripped from my heart all the way down to my leg. The whole thing ripped, and how that happened was this that I went from um, 175-pound goal weight, 200 pounds. I went to 400 pounds back and forth so many times that the aorta acts like a rubber hose. It expands, retracts, expands, retracts. Eventually, it rips. Mine ripped all the way, and um, I died. They cut me open, have a beautiful uh, scar to show, and they took everything out they could. They started sewing me up, and um, and I lived in a hospital for months. And this was all because I stopped going to program, stopped calling my sponsor, stopped doing a food plan. If I stayed the way I was at Gold Weight, this wouldn't have happened. So I say this to people when I speak because if you're ever thinking I can do this without program, I can do without a sponsor, I can do without a food plan, look what happened to me. And um, it was very stressful. I had to learn how to walk again because I had so many stitches inside me and outside of me that um, I was laid up for the longest time. They had to um, crack my chest. And I'm going to get into details because it's important to know what happens if you leave program. They cracked my chest open three different times, three different surgeries. And um, because all that, you know, they, they would close me up, sew me up. Um, a week later, same thing, back and forth, back and forth. The worst agony and pain you can ever imagine times infinity. And um, learning how to walk again, man, that was the kicker right there. You know, um, if I was lucky, it would take me from here to the chair I was sitting in literally 10 minutes to get there, you know, beyond baby steps. And so eventually, you know, I got better. Um, the hospital there did a, a video on me, of, you know, how they saved my life. So whenever you go to Simi Valley Hospital and they do the thing, you'll see me talking about it. And they show me in therapy trying to walk because I was supposed to be gone and dead, not coming back. Um, for some reason, I was brought back. Maybe it's to carry this message of what happens. And... Um, yeah, very grateful. I, I could have lost everything, you know, lost lost my children forever. So um, I'm all better now, you know. I've been uh, back in these rooms uh, for I'm abstinent now for six years and 22 days, and I'm down 150 pounds. And um, it's a great life. Does everything come up roses when you're absent, have a sponsor and a food plan? No, 
you know, um, eventually the marriage I was in didn't work out. And but this is how program works, that she's in program too. And even though the marriage didn't work out, we're best of friends, even better friends. You know, we both have these two kids that are going to, you know, and we're going to be in each other's lives forever. And our whole main thing is raising these kids and letting them see we don't have to be that couple that always argues and doesn't get along. We use the 12 steps and 12 traditions in our friendship. And it's great. It really is. So what it's like now. Um, hmm. Uh, I go hiking a lot, go rock climbing a lot. Actually, it's kind of cool. I was rock climbing. It was about a year ago, and I saved someone's life. They were stuck on um, number one rule when you're rock climbing, try not to look down so much. Because um, gravity sometimes, you can, oh, yeah, gravity, right. And this couple throws, and they're like, help, help, help. And I just, you know, went down on my rope and got them and took them back up. And at the same time, uh, this helicopter came because everybody was calling and uh, they were lowering uh, the guy on the helicopter to get him. But he saw that I had him and we were all going down together. And it was kind of cool. That was kind of neat. And um, that felt really neat to, to be of service like that. And I go work out every day, you know, um, and I call my sponsor every day. I do my writing assignments every day. I do my food plan. I commit my food plan. And if I need to change it, I call it into him and let him know what's going on. And, um, and I have a real incredible man who sponsors me. And uh, he's a great, great gift of the program to me. And I, the life I live today, being abstinent, being of service, feels great. Um, I had some extra money in my pocket. And um, there's this area around Sunset and Crescent Heights where you see a lot of homeless people. And I'm like, you know, don't want to give them money because who knows what they're going to spend it on. So I went out and bought some food and I left it on the corner for them. Didn't want to be seen, didn't want to be, you know, thanked or anything. And then I left. I ran into this guy two weeks later um, who I used to work with, and he said he saw me do that. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I was like that. He goes, no, I've been doing that since now. I'm like, oh, how cool. How cool is that? And I got to tell you guys, that's not me doing it. It's my higher power doing that. You know, I would not, if I had extra money, you know, and if I was my disease, I'd go get food, you know. Uh, but it, it's kind of neat. It, it, it's it's kind of neat how um, working a program changes you, betters you to a person you never could imagine. And um, I'm very grateful for what I've been through, knowing uh what I've been through and what I have today and I appreciate everything like I've never done before and uh, I think that's all I got how much time? oh crap okay so 
That's the only God. Oh, I good? Oh, yay. <laughs> They're clapping and everybody's leaving on the podcast. Okay. Uh, questions? Yes. Um, I stick to my food plan. Oh, the question is, how do I adjust my food when I'm hiking and climbing and working out? I stick to it. I just stick to my food plan, really. Um, you know, nothing really changes in my food. Yeah, sometimes the appetite gets going, and, you know, I'm like, mm, maybe a little more food would be great. But then that's my disease creeping in. You know, it's like you have a, your abstinence side and then your disease side. And um, so I really just don't adjust it. And, um, yeah, I, I, when, I, when I reached uh, my six-year anniversary 22 days ago, instead of going out and eating and celebrating, I joined a gym. And now I'm down, like, something like another 18 pounds. So, you know, if I adjusted the food and took in more food... You know, it, it'll just creep in, and then there'll be more food and more food and more food. Yeah. Yes? How do you work the 11 steps into that issue originally? Mm. Power power? 11 steps. An 11 step is sought through meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, I always say the serenity prayer. All the time. It's, it's my go-to prayer. I love it. It's beautiful. And I, I love the last part when it goes, Thy will, not mine, be done. Because sometimes I always get confused of whose will it is. You know? So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Okay. Any other questions? Lori? That's a great question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the question was, um, do I struggle making calls? Yeah, I do. I'm more of that person who's like always like, uh, hey, how are you? And then I want to hear what's going on with you. And then when it comes to me and saying, how are you doing? I'm always like, oh, it's okay. I'm great. You know, I don't want to get into me, you know, for some reason, but I'm practicing sharing. And my sponsor wants me to make three outreach calls a day. So I do that. So I have a long list on my phone of people to call. And sometimes I get a machine and I leave, hey, this has been, you know, um, doing this today, feeling really great. I'm on a new notch of my belt. Oh, yeah, I'm on a new notch of my belt today, too. So that was pretty cool. And, um, and I leave messages. And I take calls, too. You know, I, I always have everybody in my phone. I have OA and then their name. So then I know if it's the program person, I'll just take the call. If it's somebody else, I won't. Um, unless I want to. But, um, yeah, I, I need to make the three calls every day. And I do struggle with that because I'm, like, busy. And before I know it, it's, like, 8 p.m. Okay, i got to get my calls in. But I try to do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. So if I do it like that, I'm like, I can do that spread out. That's pretty, that, that's doable for me. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Hi, can you talk about your process of how you work the steps on the daily basis? Mm. 
Well, how I, the question is how I uh, work the steps on a daily basis. I know you're just waiting to go there. I knew it. <laughs> um, step one. Every day I admit I'm a compulsive overeater. Every day I always admit that to myself. You know, a lot of times I, I know it's going to sound dumb. I mean, this program is my, is, is my life. But, man, I can forget I'm a compulsive overeater or bulimic. And um, I got to tell you, it's been over six years since I stopped abusing laxatives. And, I mean, I would abuse them, too. Um, I would do something like six a day. I was totally insane with that stuff. Um, so, using the steps, always step one. Always step one. You know, um, step two came to believe a power greater than myself can restore me back to sanity. I don't think that will ever happen. I think I'll always be insane with a twist, you know. But um, by keeping my higher power in touch with myself, that helps. That helps a lot with my higher power. Um, and the rest of the steps, I just... Oh, I got step nine. Step nine was the weirdest and hardest one of them all when it comes to making amends. Um, calling up people from third grade. You know, I'm really sorry I bullied you. Um, took your lunch money. This is what happened with your lunch money. I kept eating with it. And they're like, Ben, this happened when we were like in fourth grade or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm doing the amends stuff. And still, I'm making amends. You know, I might remember a little thing, and to somebody else it's not a big deal. But, you know, just following, you know, the rules from my sponsor. And then as the rest of the step goes, I'm, you know, I'm constantly in them, you know. Does that help? Okay. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry. How my disease affected my or my recovery affected my work. Um, the only thing I can remember, a long time ago, I used to be a professional stand-up comic. You know, I've been on HBO, Evening at the Improv, a headline in Vegas a bunch of times. And a lot of my jokes were, when I was 400 pounds, were about myself. I made fun of me being fat. And then as I lost the weight and I started doing the same jokes, because I was a lazy comic, I didn't like to write, um, that I didn't get laughs. I used to get big laughs before. And I'm like, why aren't they laughing? And then uh, my friends would point out to going, you're not that size anymore. And I'm like, oh, right. And I'm like, damn it, I lost my material. <laughs> um, any other questions? Well, it may be different from the recovery person, but um, I remember losing weight, and I was, well, I remember being a size six, and my brain would still take me to larger sizes. I would look in there and be the same person if you have any issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, the question is, 
Um, you know, I don't even have to say it anymore. You guys are looking at her. Uh, the question was, um, do I still see myself as a big person? And, and how does that affect me? Okay. Um, okay, this is what's funny. A couple of days ago, I was, I, was at this, I was at a Starbucks having a coffee, and this woman was staring at me. And I was like, oh, she's not staring at me. She's probably staring at, you know, somebody behind me. And I kept looking behind. She would smile, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, and there was no one behind me. And then she came up and sat down next to me, and started talking to him. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to give her money. You know, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh, she's picking me up. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> you know, and uh, because in my head, I'm still 400 pounds. I'm like, oh, this, she's not looking at me. You know, I'm, I'm 400 pounds. You know, I'm obese. And, uh, but it's kind of cool. We have a date later tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm easy. Um, yeah um, but yeah in my head but I gotta tell you it's it's great being smaller I don't have to go to the big and tall stores to shop for clothes anymore you know I love buying I love shopping I love shopping for clothes you guys will always find me at the Camarilla Outlet Center or Ross um, yeah it's neat it's really neat I'm having fun with that but I'm still you know, a lot of times when I get insecure, I'm still that big person inside my head. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Can you talk about your abstinence Absolutely. My abstinence is three meals a day, no snacks. Um, I weigh and measure my food. I call it into my sponsor. And, you know, I focus more on high protein and low carbs. That's my food plan. Everybody's is different. And that's what's so beautiful about OA. Everybody can have their own abstinent and be abstinent and work their own program. But that's how I work my program. Yes? Um, what is your experience like dating in recovery, um, both on the food front of it and then also just like the interpersonal Okay, so the question is, what's my experience dating in recovery? Okay. Um, I was on this date a couple of weeks ago and um, we were at this restaurant we were ordering our food and we got it and she's like oh you know you gotta try this I'm like no I don't want to try this it's alright she's like no you have to try it and all of a sudden I'm getting flashbacks of my Jewish mother going eat 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 and I'm like no no that's okay and then she goes, why won't you try my food? It was like a Seinfeld episode. It was, it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, we're not seeing each other again. Uh, but uh, it, it was a really big thing. My thing is, you know, my food is my responsibility. Um, I can be present, you know, if I'm on a date. And the only thing I have to do on a date for myself is just have fun for me. You know, if I'm having a good time, maybe she's having a good time. Any other questions? Yes. Um, what, is it, what is the restaurant experience? Oh, restaurants? How, how can you, because that's not how you're controlled, but you're not controlling it. You're not 
carrying it in your home. You're not measuring. You're not. What is my restaurant experience eating out? You are in control. Remember, the waiters and waitresses, they work on tips. And so I'm a good tipper. But I tell them this, okay, I'm going to get, let me get four ounces of uh, the halibut, and then let me get a small salad. And I tell them what I want. And they bring it to me the way it is. And I say, I don't want this on it, don't want that on it. You know, um, it's like, remember that movie, Harry Met Sally? How she orders? I'm Sally. And, um, but you can eat anywhere, anywhere, and just tell them the way you want it. You're in control. You're always in control. Remember that. Any other questions? Awesome. And then we got elections today. <laughs> Let's go to elections.